All right, yeah, now, varmint. Is that a major pain? Uh, it's, that is, that's close. What could be close to major pain? Nothing. Nothing. I was it, trying it, to think of something. I can. I yeah, can. I can't even. All in all, it's a well-spirited show about what discipline can do for you. You want me to apologize? Well, I'm sorry you're a little pee pant little whip. I don't Bubba, know. It's been years. You ain't got no legs. <laughs> That's my favorite part. I'm one of your hosts, Evan Kunai. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm here with my two great friends, Jordan Garcia. That was great. And Christopher Ritter. Yeehaw. <laughs> We're bringing the energy today. A lot enthusiastic. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of high energy in this room. Just... Uh, we're here to bring the heat because we're doing a mini set review of March of the Machines. Yeah, kind of just a little highlight. We just played uh, pre-release this weekend, and uh, everything's about to drop this coming weekend. So, you know, just uh, the perfect time to talk about it. Some cards haven't spiked yet. Maybe something to keep an eye on as they uh, maybe drop as it comes out as well. Yeah, the market's always, it's, it's the secondary part of the game. You can always play the game and uh, print off as many cards as you want, but when it comes to owning the cards for real... That is another part of just your endeavors as a Magic player. Uh, so before we get into it, mm-hmm. you guys can find all the links necessary to follow us on all social media platforms in the description below. Uh, stay tuned to more content from us. Uh, we're gearing up to do two things a week, two videos, two episodes-ish thing. You know, two pieces of content, right? Two content and things. You can two al- each contents. Yes. <laughs> two each individual contents. Uh, you can also join the Discord server, which I just went through and revamped. And it looks crispy. Yeah, we got the spell uh, spell bot uh, bot spell bot on there. Yep. Uh, so yeah, you guys can uh, join up and host your own spell table games through that Discord server, the Mock Stars Discord server. A growing community. We're also going to be uh, TBD, but trying to be playing some uh, running CDH games uh, with us and like people that want to join. So we'll try and do that maybe like biweekly or something like that. So yeah, as that grows, we'll be uh, sort of like just keeping you guys up to date on when we're available, when we plan to be available, so you can jump on there and play with your your favorite podcast hosts. Of course, yeah, we'll run some games. All right. Let's start off. March of the Machine. It was a crazy pre-release. Honestly, I had no idea how to build a deck. I looked at all the cards. I read them all very well and uh, did not understand a lick of it and just put good cards in a deck and uh, won games. Honestly, we played three games. We bailed on the fourth. I bailed on the fourth. This is our two-headed giant we played. Yeah, so Evan did two. I just did the two-headed giant on Sunday, but I was just fucking exhausted. Like, my brain was absolutely fried. The amount of words, the amount of things going on, especially in two-headed giant, there's extra stuff going on. Yeah. Actually, before we get into the the set review, Jordan and I almost, well, I almost (laughs) cheated our way into a 4-0. This is a good little pregame action (laughs) right here. Yeah, so uh, two-headed giant changes the rules of the game a little bit. Like, just in general, it uh, warps some mechanics to be stronger. It also makes some mechanics weaker. And battles are a new type of card, a new permanent out there, and rules are different, rules are new. And so when it comes to Two-Headed Giant, the card reads, choose an opponent, 
uh, that opponent defends the battle, but the ruling also says that any other player may attack that battle, right? So uh, you and your teammate can attack the battle that you cast, but I had put this little worm in the host's head. Nick, I'm so sorry for this at Phoenix Games in Seattle. Um, I raised my hand and I asked, uh, the text on the card, it almost reads as if you choose an opponent and in two-headed giant, when it says target opponent, you choose one of the two opponents and the effect affects that one person alone. So it says choose an opponent, that opponent defends it. So I said, it reads like you select one person. That is the only person who can defend it. But Jordan also made the point and he found the ruling that if you can attack if you can both attack the battle, then both players should be able to defend the battle. That is the actual ruling. But I, <laughs> and Jordan went and clarified with Nick and then well, tried to tried to. And, uh, Nick came up to announce it to everybody and he goes, uh, or, and they go, uh, so this is how we're going to play it. I do not care for your rulings or your corrections. This is how it will be played. When you choose an opponent to defend the battle, they are the only person that can defend that battle. The teammate cannot help defend it. So two uh, people can attack it. Only one person can defend it. <laughs> is uh, two-headed giant an official format? Uh, yeah. So Battle Bond, that set, was completely built around the concept of playing two-headed giant. Okay. And so this pre-release, are there? Is it is it for? Sorry, uh, is it for Martian Machines? Like, it, yeah. is it? No, no, no. I, well, I, obviously. Sure, sure. But I mean, is it specifically Two-Headed Giant associated with Martian Machines? And it's not just Phoenix doing this as a one-off. It's like this format is prevalent across the pre-release of this set. I would say it's not something that every LGS does. Phoenix does host it because it's popular enough. Oh, and they do it for every set release. They yes. do it to head a yeah. Oh, every okay. Sunday, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say like, oh, maybe there's. Oh, never mind. Because because if it was specific to this set, then yeah, it would make sense. You have to find the official ruling for battles and figure it out. But if it's not like an officially sanctioned event, whatever, if Nick is just making up his own shit. Yeah. Well, also, it's just like, it is a new mechanic. It's like a whole new permanent. And mm-hmm. like, you know, it's also, to be fair, their whole system of like Wizards Online was down for the entire pre-release weekend. Oh, sweet. So yeah, ran, that like, makes sense. Yeah, they ran eight to 10 just freaking raw dog on paper drafts. Yep. They're really bringing the same energy to uh, these pre-releases, the Wizard Cons, uh, oh, Arena. Uh, oh. Card design. Yeah. Card text. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. I could go on a fucking tirade about card text. Well, you get yeah. your opportunity to today with this set. Oh my God. Yeah. They got a real sloppy, uh, <laughs> this caring vibe to yes. it. Yeah. I just remember back in the day, like I was into Yu-Gi-Oh, right? And Yu-Gi-Oh mm-hmm. cards were expensive, but I would go to the dollar store and for some reason there were Yu-Gi-Oh cards there and they looked a little different, but fuck, they were super cheap. So we were able, we were able to get our hands on a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh cards, but obviously they were fakes. That is what modern magic feels like sometimes to me. Like looking at the text box, like the font looks wrong. The verbiage is like a fucking toddler wrote it. I want to hear more about these fake Yu-Gi-Oh cards from the dollar store. I don't know, bro. (laughs) Like what was the vibe? Did they have like, 
like is it like when you go to like the flea market and they have like Spaderman dolls? Like oh, it, it was like it there's looked, Yu-Gi-Ah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, to be fair, Yu-Gi-Oh really did have an issue with like locking down uh, like fakes and shit like that. For anyone a long could time. just be printing their own fucking Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Kinda. I mean, like I know, like a, per, a pro would obviously be able to look at that, mm. but we were all like seven, so. Okay, and these are being sold at like Dollar General. Yeah, like what? our our local fucking. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, it, it was a small position. town what? in Grand Haven, would, Michigan. They would have Walmart selling counterfeit Yu-Gi-Oh cards. So, so when you go to Walmart, they have that's uh, like a national, that's a global yeah. corporation, yeah, well, and they were just buying mo- like. <laughs> well, trading cards were the wild, wild west in okay. like uh, what 2010 to 2014. Like they really started locking it down, but people would just go in, grab packs take them out of the store, like have their own method for opening them up. They were actually, the thing was in Yu-Gi-Oh, the foils weighed more. And so if you got a weight uh-huh. scale out, you could actually weigh the packs in the store, no, take the ones that had foils. No, no, no. I get that aspect right, of right. it where people are like uh, buying product and returning fake product. But yeah. the situation that Jordan is describing oh, yeah. I don't know. sounds like there was a purchasing manager that <laughs> was Someone buying. Someone was acquiring it. these somewhere. Yes. yes I, yeah. yeah, like I remember like in the 90s repackaged uh, baseball card packs and repackaged comic book bulk packs and stuff at Sam's. But this sounds like an additional layer of shady, which makes sense because it's, it's happening at the Dollar General. Yeah. But like... You know what's so funny is I said it just so confidently <laughs> that you guys would totally relate with what I was yeah. saying. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. the whole tangent. You know when you're buying <laughs> official counterfeit Yu-Gi-Oh cards at the dollar store when you're a kid? No. Nope, that's a particular experience God. that you had. Well, the whole point was they definitely looked a little funky, and modern magic is starting to look a little funky. Yeah, By the, funky, God. I mean fucking sloppy. Yeah, for sure, because there's difference. differences, too, with like the different printings. If it's printed in Japan or if it's printed in the U.S., like definitely definitely differences in quality yeah they don't have the quality control on ink saturation even down pat mm-hmm. like there's yep. like there were two cards that uh it was the same card and we were looking at it side by side and jordan's like does this one look like weird and i was like yeah the ink the saturation is just crazy on this one mm-hmm. so it, it it is a problem uh will they fix it probably, probably not. not they're selling nope. a lot of cards for me it's no nope. it's the it's the wordage because it's like the ver- like the, ver- the verbiage, yeah. the verbiage. Because which is like, words, wordles, which, the, the wordage. I'm going with it. The wordosity. The, the, oh. Yes, thank you. Um, it's because to me that is like how magic works in the background, the whole matrix of everything running. And if you want to become a better player, you learn via how the verbiage is. You know, you learn how to take advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it makes a difference whether something. You know, at yeah. the biggest level, like, is it target opponent or each opponent? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, right. that stuff matters. Right. As a former lawyer, I'm sure yeah. you relate to, like, how much fucking words matter. Mm-hmm. So they set this up over fucking how many years they've been doing this at, at this point, right? And now all of a sudden, they'll be like, oh, we introduced this keyword, and now we will colloquially refer to how you protect a battle that no one's ever heard of before. So now it's protect a mechanic. It's protect a keyword. It's not even in reminder text. Like... There's just so many things where it's just we're getting so loosey goosey. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, they're having to like go into an errata so much rules text because of how erratic these like they want to make this set cool and they want to make this new mechanic and this new permanent type, but they didn't even 
consider how many repercussions, how many, how the ripple effect across the entire game would affect just like the basic verbiage on cards. Also, like I get that they're trying to cut down on the length of cards, and like that's something they kind of in the back of their minds work on. Although they keep putting new and more mechanics on each card. Yeah, uh, every card is supposed to read like questing beast. Like, actually, <laughs> exactly. well, that's yeah. why they started doing uh, two. You know, like the MDFCs. Which, if you haven't listened to our last episode, give it a check. We talk about that stuff. Yeah the uh, the Praetor cycle of MDFCs is really pushing the limits of how many words can you put on a card. And how many just actions can you take for one, you know, one resource investment. Yeah, soon the pieces of artwork will be diminished in size. <laughs> We're just going to go to those Texas lands at some point. It's just yeah. read this chapter. That is what your card does. Yeah, notice how they don't do border. They didn't do borderless uh uh, praetors for this one they did the serialized ones but they didn't do the borderless ones probably because there's too much text it extends to the border yeah they're gonna start putting them with like qr codes you just scan the little qr <laughs> right. code in oh the that. there's already a game that does that yeah it's called gate ruler and you literally have to they on the card it prints it says go to this website to find the ruling that sounds Whoa. like it sucks. No offense to <laughs> the people who made Gate Ruler. Yeah. Well, they uh, sound like a bunch of assholes that made a game that sucks. Uh, what I could sponsor see. us. <laughs> yes, you want to sponsor us? We'll talk about that in Not Magic. Uh, what I could see is like augmented reality on your phone. And if mm-hmm. you like, if you play a card and it's almost like Yu-Gi-Oh style where you hold it up and the little fucking fur ball pops up or something. Uh, sort of like the way Arena is now where it just, it automatically does the thing that it needs to do without needing to read the card. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, but it kind of looks like you're doing it here ish right right i mean that's probably eventually who knows how many years down the line what magic becomes really There's what i'm picturing is ar interpretation of of your battlefield i'm picturing spy kids too where they have the little holographic map of the land spider and, monkey and they're watching all the animals running in live action yeah that's yes. what that's what i'm picturing as a game at some point all right i think the we're talking about Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> actually <laughs> all right let's get into this set review we're uh, I mean, we can talk about the future of the game today mm. if you'd rather, but I don't know. We uh, just took like 20 minutes writing a list of cards. Let's <laughs> just yeah, talk yeah. about it. All right, let's talk about it. <laughs> March of the Machines just came out. Its official release date is uh, the day this episode will release. Ooh, spicy. Yay, we're on time with it. Uh, we're going to start with white. Let's get into it. Let's uh, freaking get into it, dude. Elish Norn is back. Again. Yeah, so we're going to start each one of these cycles with these little MDFC praetors. That's the word for them. How could I forget? Um, uh, yeah, so... Elishnorn, I think, is one of the better ones. Well, yeah, I think Elishnorn is just uh, one of the best praetors. Uh, I think and then they want that to, like, be true across all the different printings. They could make the last one just, like, ass. Right, right. Uh, it's two and two white. Uh, notably, the title is just... Elish Norn. Uh, legendary creature Phyrexian Praetor at Mythic. It has a 3-5 Vigilance. Whenever a source an opponent controls deals damage to you or a permanent you control, that source's controller loses two life unless they pay one. Pay two and a white, sacrifice three other creatures, exile Elish Norn, then return to the battlefield transformed under its owner's control, activate only as a sorcery. And this is where the MDFC uh, part comes in. It flips over. It has a printing on the back where there's a lot more words. It's going to take me a few minutes. Uh, The first, it's a saga first. Yes, it's an enchantment saga. The first docket on the saga, incubate two 
five times. Then transform all incubator tokens you control. So incubate's a new mechanic from the set. You create a artifact with plus one, plus one counters on it equal to the number. So incubate two, create an artifact with two plus one, plus one counters on it. It has the ability, pay two mana, transform it, becomes a zero, zero Phyrexian. Uh, and then its power and toughness equal to plus one plus one counter. So uh, the second on the saga is creatures you control get plus one plus one and gain double strike until end of turn. And then the third is destroy all other permanents except for artifacts, lands, and Phyrexians. Exile the Argent Etchings, which is the name of the backside, uh, and return it to the battlefield face up. So uh, you go into that third one, you destroy all of the permanents except for the artifacts, lands, and Phyrexians, and then flip it back over into Elish Norn, where it becomes a 3-5 Vigilance. And then you have... Here's the thing. You transformed all of those five incubators into Phyrexians. You, As long as you have three mana, you can go ahead and pay two in a white and sacrifice three of those and create five more incubator tokens. It's crazy. These Praetors, they're powerful. They're... Uh, they're bullies in draft. They're bullies and absolutely devastating and limited. So if you get your hands on one, consider yourself lucky. Yeah, if we pull yeah, one changes the draft, game. That would yeah, be I I think there's like a big red arrow pointing to all of the Praetors saying, "Hey, draft me as your top end bomb." If you open, one if you of pull that. it, you definitely play. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, we did not unfortunately see them in two boxes, but. So in in limited, I guess you know this is part of the review. You know, you want to talk about all aspects of the game. I think enchantment removal across all formats is going to be as long as these are viable in competitive play enchantment removal is going to be one of the best forms of removal it's always been one of those things that seems to like i know enchantments have always been very evasive um but or at least now, flexible removal at least flexible remo- removal yes. that splashes for the enchantments yeah like non permanent yes or something like that so being able to pop these sagas before they get to the final like the final trigger there is going to be great um so you don't they don't get the elish norn back i i just it's crazy because incubate two five times and then transform them all you have five two twos that just entered the battlefield uh in one v one that's just like jeej yep well and then the second one triggers creatures you control get plus one plus one and gain double strike and so you have three threes yeah five three threes with double strike so you just put 30 power on the board sounds good to me so yeah you go like great in one v one and then the second part great in commander that's it. I just let's just scale. Ooh. Let's just scale for everybody's needs. Yeah, and we know, you know what. And then third chapter, you get your one-sided board wipe. Yes. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, of course. Good for everybody. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, seven mana. Like I, I guess the investment to get in, in everything is seven mana, right? Four to cast of Elishnorn, three to flip it. Sacrifice. So ridiculous that it's such great a rate. Bit. Best rate of any of the Praetors. Of probably. course. Maybe like Urbrask, like because you're already generating mana there. Yeah, he's got the he's the one to flip. Yeah. Which is fair. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Urbrask, we'll get to it, but uh, Urbrask is more about chaining and this is more about just like s- controlling the shit out of the game. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, white mana versus red mana. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, and I mean that line of text. I think that's this is the worst line of text on Elish Norn. Whenever a source and opponent controls deals damage to you, actually, nah, it's actually a really good line of text. Never actually, mind. correct. Yep. In addition to it, never mind. That's not not vigilance is the worst line of text on that card. <laughs> <laughs> What's our next white card here? Our next white white card was one that Ritter brought up. Surge of Salvation, just like a nice instant speed one white mana, like protect your stuff. 
card. Yeah. Every set has one. This is one of the more pushed ones and that's been printed recently. Yeah, I think this is one of those cards that if you're wow. playing a commander or you're you're in commander and you're playing a, a commander that you need on the battlefield for specific things, mm -hmm. you're playing this card. So I was making an argument for blacksmith skill to be yeah, a viable card. I mean, card. it's in that realm. Blacksmith this is skill. so much better yeah. than blacksmith. It is. You and permanence you control, hexproof, where blacksmith skill is singular target the upside being you get indestructible yeah i mean it, it's, it's on permanent, yeah. it's on the level of like angel's grace it, you're not gonna you're not gonna combo it with ad nauseum, but like it's still there like where uh it's gonna save your ass like it's if you're playing white in commander i think it's an auto include i don't know about other formats but definitely super super strong i definitely play this over blacksmith skill mm -hmm. i like i would give up the indestructible clause on that for sure yeah i mean if if you're choosing slots in your deck i would for sure take this but they complement each other like totally. it, if you're in that it, deck yeah it, it really gives some uh strong protection options to white which already has very right. strong protection options and again it's one of those things if you start seeing a critical mass of it then it might become more of a viable strategy for decks to start building around mm -hmm. um so i don't know maybe this pushes something in the right direction yeah the crazy thing to me is how fast the game has gotten and it keeps getting faster every every single mana counts and that will come down to your casual tables, too. Every single mana is going to count. It's just the difference between casting two spells a turn and one spell per turn. So where do you guys see this in comparison to something like Teferi's Protection? Like, do you play this? If you I mean, have to choose the slot... Teferi's Protection is much... Uh, no, because they do different things. They do different So yeah. Teferi's Protection essentially reads... I don't lose the game this turn. Right. That's not how this card reads. This card reads protect my stuff and protect my board state. Uh, Teferi's protection, three mana, but also much stronger effect. You right. know? It is significantly more strong. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You just you pay two more mana and you get significant more power. If, but yeah. if you want something, you know, you're an Asnod, Adnaz deck and you're really hurting for that two extra CMC... Then I guess you could prioritize this, but I don't know see why you'd be playing this. If there was a wind spirit guide, like an elder spirit guide, but for white, I would consider playing this in like in more decks. Having that force of whatever in white is mm -hmm. like is where this color takes the next step in power. I feel like that's the only color I wouldn't be mad at another spirit guide getting printed in because I don't think blue or black needs a spirit guide. Yeah, I mean, white, white's mana acceleration comes in the form of like land tax and things that are similar effects to that where you're ramping uh, planes, basic planes, but you have to be behind on lands to do it. Right. So like it would be a fair color to get fast mana in that way, mm -hmm. uh, but it wouldn't make sense, I don't think, no. mechanically to ever do it. Like it would be it would be hard to figure out a way to make that make sense. So, yeah, it can't just be yeah. exile yeah. from hand, get white mana because... Yes. Or who knows, maybe in March of the Machines Aftermath you have like... Uh, Elizabeth's uh, conversation with Sarah, like that would be the way, like mm. lore wise, it makes sense mechanically in the game. Where just like miraculously, you're getting white mana, but it doesn't really exist. In Actually, think it'd be, I think it'd be so powerful because, like, thinking about how color restrictive white can be, just based off of the amount of pips it gets, and if you can remove one of those, like that, just seems very powerful. Yeah. Or you know, turn one, you play your Esper Sentinel, followed by white elvish spirit guide deafening silence and then you just fuck the table right yeah you know? i think it's free swords of plowshares like a force of swords essentially yeah uh, you know yeah it unlocks so much right yeah. right yeah yeah because you get yeah basically a for yeah force of swords like swords of plowshare becomes like a force of will so um 
I think that having the clause of like being able to do it, exile it from your hand, add a white mana, and then on your upkeep do like a pact trigger where you have to pay two mana in like colorless in order to get that effect mm-hmm. like in some way i don't know or maybe you can only exile it from your hand if you control less lands yeah. than your opponent i don't know interesting uh theory crafting yeah i'm never gonna exist totally. this card yeah well, no 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 no. I, I was gonna actually get, go on that tangent but we should move on yeah okay. <laughs> we're talking about real cards that exist <laughs> yeah the next card we're just sort of bouncing around we don't have any real uh format of like rare mythic or whatever just going so, out their color yep my next card is seal from existence uh it's one and two white enchantment Ward three, when it enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until it leaves the battlefield. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is because this is pushing the game further, right? We've already seen Ward. Uh, I mean, we see Ward and Hexproof in this set. And we They clearly, they do similar things, but they're very different in how they interact with the stack. But Ward two is almost too strong. Right, Ward one is reasonable. Ward three, good luck. Yeah, yeah. So this is just says when it enters the battlefield, exile that thing until you somehow come across a widespread enchantment board wipe. Yeah. So you you pay that extra cost of the double wipe pit, but you get a significantly gassed up seal of removal or whatever. Yeah, nearly permanent effect. Yeah. When you really want to get rid of something. Because I, I yes. do really like these but I, I'm always so like skittish of just the, the one mana bounce spell, you know, just fizzling everything and you're right back to square one without the card in hand. But yep. this, like, yeah, Ward 3 is backbreaking, dude. Yeah. Ward 3 is fucking crazy. Take the turn off dealing with this, mm-hmm. is what it says. Uh, next card, Sunfall. Sunfall is a great, great card. Again, we're seeing this a thing where they're just maybe a little more mana or maybe a little more cost restrictive in the pips, but they're willing to give you power in return. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're playing a board wipe at 6 CMC, you can put whatever kind of gravy you want on that. It's 5 because, CMC. Oh, it's 5 CMC. Yeah, that's why Ooh, I, think I thought it was okay. 6 too. No, that's why I'm yeah. talking about it right I mean, now. but even 5 CMC, yeah. you can definitely put some gravy on there. Like, the rate was established at the start of the game as... <clears throat> four mana in white to board wipe right and then right? we've seen some bigger board wipes that do more like uh you know the austere command kind of thing right and mm-hmm. that's five yep. plus but this is now a, a five mana exile all creatures which is just fantastic you know we see that in like farewell and stuff as an exile ability mm-hmm. and we see how cracked that is winds of abandon winds of abandon um white does it great you know uh, but on top of that, after doing that, you get to incubate X, where X is the number of creatures exiled this way, which is like, you know, that could be a 2020 based off of, you know, some commander board states that we have. Uh, and so just a, a board wipe where you get to be the only person with something left on the table. And also with uh, the fact that it exiles, too, because we're all greedy fucks that play. We talk, what I talk about all the time. We play value breach in every red deck now, you know, yep. like. Exile is huge. It is so much better than Graveyard because we just all play out of the Graveyard these days. Yeah, there isn't enough uh, pull from Exile cards to warrant like running in the 99 in Commander or even in... like There are some cards in Standard and Modern that say grab something from outside the game. Or I mean, exile, yeah, it's worth running Karn in a lot of decks. I was about to right, say right, right, right. But thought. besides that, you're not going to you know have access to that effect out, outside of like maybe like Kaya. I wonder if we'll occasionally see them explore that in the future. I don't know. Yeah, this is so Sunfall is very reminiscent of Phyrexian Rebirth. I think people have just like put the similarities together, but that was six mana, destroy all creatures, and then create an XX 
artifact Phyrexian that equal to the total number of creatures that were destroyed this way. This is uh, kind of way better because, one, it doesn't create a creature. It creates the incubator that turns into a creature. So that you like there is like we saw that in the draft, like people were board wiping with tons of incubators out and those incubators survive the wipes Mm -hmm. and then you just flip them over and take over the game your board presence is still there so it's pretty sick yeah so this creates it's incubate x where x is the total power of creatures. the number of creatures I number of creatures yeah. okay yeah so, so and then it's just pay to and flip it over so seven mana to create that creature in total but uh still way better because you can pay that mana later yeah for sure and uh just whenever you want it's just a middle a mana sink which is great too you know talking about being up on uh mana efficiency I think it's a great card. I don't play Wrath of God anymore, but I would probably consider playing this card. Yeah, I, I think in an internal format, uh, Winds of Wrath might be better as a one-sided mm-hmm. board wipe that leaves you with something on the board because uh, that's at 4 CMC, I think. Uh, right. Yeah. So, uh, But still, I mean, definitely in standard, I could see this being a beast for you. Totally. Winds of Wrath? Winds of Abandon? Winds of Wrath. R-A-T-H, Wrath. Wrath. Never even heard of this card. While Jordan looks that up, we'll move on to the next Teaching card. Teaching something right now? Yeah. Wow. The next card is Dusk Legion Duelist, and we'll circle back <laughs> to Winds of Wrath in just a second. Damn, Dusk Legion Duelist is actually cracked, though. Yeah, so I pulled two of these at the pre-release, for, or at least for the two-headed giant, and had two of them in the deck. The cool thing about two-headed giant, both your pre-release backs, you can combine the card pool and make two separate decks. So uh, this is one in a white for a 2-2 vampire warrior or vampire soldier, which is important uh, typing for Shadow the current soldier. standard Jesus format. Jesus Christ, I didn't know yeah. that soldier. Yeah, it's a soldier. 2-2 <laughs> with vigilance that says whenever you put a plus one plus one counter on Dusk Legion Duelist, draw a card. This ability triggers only once per turn. Wow. Uh, really great. Drawing a card in white, really great. Putting yeah. plus one plus one counters on things, easy. Yeah, especially with I don't know soldiers white. Uh, maybe this new backup mechanic. I don't know. I think a lot of soldiers do that now. Yeah, I think that's also worth noting. In this set, there's this mechanic called backup, which says when it enters the battlefield, backup acts. You know, one, two, three, or whatever. Put that many plus one plus one counters on target creature, and then that creature gains all uh, abilities under the backup that you know like yeah i think it's a really cool mechanic i think mm-hmm. it's probably pretty powerful um i don't know this just feels like yet another reason to stay off arena standard and just like <laughs> i don't want to play 10 games in a row of blue white soldiers with thalia's and this fucker and you know any any way to just recur yeah i get plus one plus one counters on things you're just gonna get punched in the face by this thing uh constantly yep so uh, I think it's great, I and mean, more more than that, I think in Commander it's going to be a fucking awesome card. Commander, we see plus one plus one synergies everywhere, and this just yep. gas on the fire. I think this is actually going to be an impressively strong card draw engine, and the fact that it's in white at such a low CMC, very viable. Yeah, there's a lot of like modern cards that are going to like put into it. There's a in the Commander precon. There's a Naya uh, precon that actually focuses in backup, and that card's going to go great in there. Um, Tiam off the top of my head. Yeah, Tiam. And then even back in the day, dude, uh, Marath, because oh, you can pay one, remove a gorgeous. counter, put a counter on something. Boom. So uh, drawing a card. Pay one to draw a card? Yeah. Dirty. Hey, I That's love that rate. Good. Yeah. yeah. And Marath is already a good deck as it is. So that is just a great little addition there. Uh, Jordan. Yeah. Winds of Wrath. What'd you find? Winds of Wrath, I don't think 
it does what you think it does. Okay. Let's discuss. What does it do? Uh, Three-way white, destroy all creatures that aren't enchanted. Uh, kind of. No, no. I, I think it's a better uh, one-sided board wipe. There you go. Yeah. There's the stance. Yeah. Instead of Thank getting, you for looking that Instead up. of getting a vanilla XX creature that you have to incubate still, you're probably playing some sort of Voltron-y type deck where you have an enchanted I see you know creature that you want to protect okay I was I was wondering the lens you were you were talking yeah, about there's, I, I think there's also a couple other variations of that too where it's like uh exile all or you and target opponent each choose a creature and exile all other creatures I think there's a couple other variations variations in that way too I will say my yeah. favorite board wipe that is five mana is still stick together I think stick it's, together is yeah. great it's yeah backbreaking yeah. I mean there is you know there's fringe Orzov Nalia like party stacks list. You know, mm-hmm, totally. I was actually looking at the uh, CDH deck database last night, and that oh, one's on there. That makes yes. me very happy. Yeah. Uh, the last card in white that I see, uh, this one's personally for me. It's from the Commander Precon. It's called Chivalric Alliance. Jordan and I are hot on this. Ritter, you might also be hot on it after I read it. It is one in a white enchantment. Whenever you attack with two or more creatures, draw a card. Pay two, discard a card, create a 2-2 two, two white and blue knight creature token with vigilance. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it seems Super good. spicy. Seems really good. Especially, I think this, uh, the more time goes on, I feel like my Naya Enchantress mana base uh, gets more and more ammo. And this is one to put in it because if you play that build and you're playing uh, Jetmir as your commander, or even if you're playing Winota, uh, this, I feel like this goes in there because it notably creates a non-human knight creature token so you get more triggers off of winota for that paying two to discard a card not and to do that is not the worst rate in the world uh you're always attacking with two or more creatures in winota it's always happening you're always like draw a card like great i don't know this card just seems great it's just another card draw engine in white with such a low ask yeah such a small ask yeah you're not asking anything of the player to trigger this ability like you're going to be doing that no matter what. If you're not doing that, there's something wrong. Like you've, uh, you know, you you thought your hand was going to be better than it is. And especially you know, in so. white, you know, that is a, v- a very creature heavy deck usually. Right. So, for sure in draft, that's like the archetype you're going to go for in white. Right. Even in yeah. commander, yeah. you know, yeah. usually you see a lot of hate bears and stuff like that. So how easy it to, just to turn two of them and set essentially into like a Edric trigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to draw a card in white now. Yeah, you want to play Elishnorn Commander. You know, it's like you're going to have three other creatures to sacrifice in order to flip it. Well, you're going to create five more creatures. Swing with those, draw a card, you know, right. keep the keep the ball rolling. Plus, it makes you bodies if you run out. or if Yeah, it's, it's a minimal minimal hoop to jump through to get that card draw. Plus, yeah. it helps you get there. We've seen that yeah. effect be good in the past, and now that's in white. So, let's fucking go. Yep, I think Sarah's Sanctum gets better and better Always. as time goes on. Always. Uh, let's move on to blue. Uh, we're going to storm through blue. There's only a few cards that really piqued our interest. Uh, freaking Jenga Taxes. Obviously, we're starting there. Yeah, rock it, Jay. I will freaking rock the shit out of it once my laptop loads. Here we go. Jenga Taxes, three blue, blue for a five, five. Here we go. We were just talking about it. Ward two, baby. Ward freaking two. Delicious. Hey, I was kind of questioning it when Ward first came out. And I thought it wasn't going to be that good. You know, Hexproof, way better, obviously. It's a big enough barrier. And, Holy shit, and it's it also, really is. It's, it's fair game. It's, it's like, hey, if you have that mana and the removal, you can do it. And, you know, nobody can be mad about that, Here's right? Here's the thing. I think it almost actually proposes an interesting 
complex where it if it was just hexproof your opponent is going to do something better with their mana and that might be investing in a bigger threat than what you currently have on the Mm -hmm. table yep but if it's the two mana threshold that makes their i don't know three mana removal spell tap them out to deal with this now you just have made them completely take the turn off to deal with one thing you made your opponent make a bad choice make a bad choice and i think that is actually you know something that ward does bring to the table Mm -hmm. yeah ward I will make the argument. Maybe we can record another episode on this and divulge on this further. But Ward is better than Hexproof, in my opinion. Yeah, I like that. Like, if you're paying five mana to kill my fucking Jinka Taxes, I'm like, all right, yeah. well deserved. Well, yeah, you you won that <laughs> that exchange. Yeah, well, you know? yeah. Here's the thing: is that it's better for the interactive player. Like, if you're playing, uh, if you're an interactive player, you like having tons of interaction in your deck, including counter spells. Yeah, and you're in blue. Feeling. The best feeling in the world is when someone casts a spell targeting your Jinka Taxis and the ward trigger goes on the stack. Because they, it's a trigger they have to pay for first. Bro. Yes. It's the they, best. They pay the two and then you counter it. <laughs> it is literally the best feeling ever as a that's, blue fucking magic player. That's why it's better. Oh, it's so good. Because it like Hexproof does not even give them the option. Correct. Ward says, yeah, you can target it. Would you like to pay two? And then they go, oh, fuck, I don't have the mana to pay for it. Countered. You know, it's like, oh, you forgot. Sorry, no mercy. So. All right. Let me read the rest of this card. It starts with Ward 2, which we know is very powerful now. Good. (laughs) Uh, The other abilities, believe it or not, it has more. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell with mana value three or greater, draw a card. (laughs) That's pretty fucking good. Blue likes to do those things. Uh, And then you get to flip it for four. uh, And you have to have seven or more cards in hand so you better be fucking drawing but you flip it into the great synthesis a cracked saga here first one draw cards equal the number of cards in your hand you have no maximum hand size for as long as you control the great synthesis second return all non-phyrexian creatures to their owner's hands just a disgusting board wipe uh and then third you may cast any number of spells from your hand without paying their mana cost Wow. So any of the things that you happen to bounce, why not cast those? Anything else you happen to be holding, like, I don't know, everything in your hand, go ahead and cast that as well. And what's the total mana investment to get all that? That's a great question. So it's three blue blue for the creature to cast. Mm -hmm. And then it is three and a blue to flip it. Oh man, yeah. Seven cards in hand, but if you, you know what? And that, in blue too, you're going to be controlling the game by turn five. This is actually, sure. or you know, establishing that, and then this, you can just do it. Once, once it, it happens, is omniscience it yeah. on that third saga, which is just makes me so horny. This makes I yeah. I've been looking for a mono blue deck to build, and I think this, this is a good might one. Be, this, this might be one. actually a commander mm-hmm. I want to dive into. Holy shit! All right, off yeah, my because pedestal. you're yeah. oh man, because you're doing so many things that blue wants to do. Like, so, you know, turn five, you're already sort of controlling the board. Turn six, if you're flipping it, like, and that's without mana acceleration, like, you're getting a Reliquary Tower plus card draw. Mm-hmm. Then you're getting a Whelming Wave or Cyclonic Rift type effect. And then you're getting even more on top of that right. on, on the third chapter. Yeah, yeah it's wild. Yeah, the fact is, you don't even, you get the Jinka Taxius back right after you do it. So he flips, <sighs> yep. right? And then he so says, crazy. whenever you cast a non-creature spell with mana value three or greater, well, you can cast the rest, the cards in your hand without paying. Oh, you have the omniscience with the Jinka. Yeah, and so now you're going to draw a ton of cards off of that. Mm. And then, so you just keep chaining off of, yeah oh, so shit. as long as yeah so you can what the fuck as long as you can generate four more mana this turn right you pay it again you flip him back over
over, draw cards equal the number of cards in your hand. You already have a fuck ton of cards in your hand. Whoa. You have no maximum hand size. Well, who cares? Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, whoa. so you just, you can really chain this card. Like, I think that's the crazy thing about yeah. all of them is they actually, when the third saga triggers and you flip it over, mm-hmm. you have the ammunition to flip it back over into its first saga. Is there, again. Is there a reason? No, no, I mean... Uh, Thorical consult is still more powerful, but like oh, it's you, forever. you know, it, it gives you more reach in mono blue to do Thassa's Oracle shenanigans. Yeah, this is fucking awesome. I just yeah. love the idea. You get the omniscience, it flips back over, and now everything you cash for free from your hand draws you a card. Yes. So then everything you draw that is three or more will just continue to draw you and fuel you, and you can chain for theoretically ever. Mm. Most of those spells are going to be draw spells. Yeah. I mean, blue has some cantrips. A, few. a couple at least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holy Especially fuck. four or greater. You know, I had read like this card cards. before, but not until this moment had we just talked about it have I realized how good this card is. Yeah, it's really, really good. Wow. All right, what else do we have in blue? All right, Chrome Host Seed Shark. We played this in draft. We played against it in draft. It's a really great card. It's won me a bunch of games. Um, it's a mini cheaper. shark typhoon. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yeah. Much cheaper costed, and it's on a body. Yep. Upside and downside, I guess. Yep. Yeah. 2 4 flying Phyrexian shark. It says whenever you cast a non creature spell, create or you incubate X, where X is the mana value of the non of the spell you just cast. Um, yeah. Removal in the set was roughly around 3 CMC. So you would, uh, and a lot of it had convoke on it too. So uh, you can create these incubators and then turn them into Phyrexians and then tap those Phyrexians to cast the spells. And all of a sudden you're creating another 3 3. Yeah. It was busted a really really great card and i think it's gonna make waves in a lot of like decks that want to play off their back foot in standard and i don't know if this and this definitely has potential in pioneer i don't know if it has potential in half modern. the cmc of shark typhoon half is good yes like yeah which is it, still pretty good yeah it doesn't have the cycling yeah. outlet which is sad but that's what makes shark typhoon the superior card mm-hmm. so and you don't have to pay two mana to flip it shark typhoon just creates fl- flying sharks mm-hmm which is cooler I, as well. Yeah, way cooler. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with what you're saying, but at the same time, there is a certain thing of where you're investing so much mana into an enchantment that doesn't do anything, and you have to take that turn off for it, mm-hmm. usually in a blue deck where you're not allowed to hold interaction. This gives you a flyer in the air that generates value throughout the game and also pressures life total on a, on a much lower grade. Or pressures battle total, too. Also that. So, I don't know. I, th- I still think it's good. I still think some control decks will have some fun with this. I honestly don't know if we're going to make it through this entire little mini I was actually gonna pitch one episode. I was going to pitch if you guys want to do a part two, because we're actually yeah. doing a good yeah, job. Let's do it. We're thoroughly I discussing thought. these cards. I, yeah. I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to want to subscribe to more episodes of the Mock Stars podcast, because we're on fucking fire! <laughs> Goddamn right. right! Okay, cool. You heard him. Good thing I don't have my cans on. <laughs> 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 that was great. I just want right. to say, like, I actually, you know, I've been shitting on like the last few sets and stuff, but this set actually, we've are genuinely talking about a lot of the stuff, and we're intrigued by it. So we're taking a little longer to do it. Yeah, even though Good this, job. yeah, even though this set's a fucking hodgepodge, it's not even cohesive is, at all. It is, yeah, it's absolutely nonsense, but it's very fun nonsense. All right, we got one more blue card, and then we'll uh, we'll leave the rest for um, for part two, where we'll we'll try to turbo through that. <laughs> All right, uh, the last blue card and the last card of the day, because I think we're going to go on a bit of a tangent for this one. 
Fairy Mastermind. Ooh, we saved the best for last. Just kidding. Just, just get access. Straight up good favorite. card. Yeah. Super yes. undercosted, uh, super oh. overpowered card you know funny? draw effect in blue. In my head, I keep thinking that it's four mana, but that's. No, man, the, it's two. It's two mana. It's two mana. <laughs> yeah. Even at four mana, this is a very good card. It's four mana to activate the ability, but what is that ability, you may ask? I will read it to you. It is one in a blue for a fairy rogue with flash flying. And it's a 2-1. Whenever an opponent draws their second card each turn, you draw a card. And then you can pay three and a blue. Each player draws a card. Wow. And it's uh, it's modeled after the last world champion, Yuta, uh, Yuta Takahashi. Dude, you are forever immortalized in one of the best blue cards printed in like the last three years. So congratulations. That's yeah, a great card. Holy Man, shit. I just want to drop a Howling Mine and leave it untapped and just get... Uh, six additional cards every cycle or something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fucking Christ, I didn't even yes. think about that, bro. Like Jeez. playing the like, Kami deck or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I think Zerus wants this. Oh, man, this is so good. Yeah. This should be four mana. It has flash and flying. Nope. Nope. Uh, so there, there, was, like, there was a couple interactions with this that like blew my mind. I was like... I don't really see it. I don't think that card's that good, right? Like, I, I know it's good, but the four mana to activate to give everybody a card. I've always been taught that, like, giving your opponent's cards isn't a good thing. But then I saw it happen, and I thought to myself, wow, that's a really fucking good thing. Because it was during my end step that my opponent flashed this in and then had enough mana to activate. And when they did, during my end step, I had drawn a card at the beginning of my turn. So pay for each player draws a card it sees that i drew my second card and so my opponent drew two cards yeah something about giving obviously giving resources is always a challenge in any game but if you can always break parity as we say where you are getting twice the amount of resources for every resource you're giving that's just going to set you up for success yeah it, it was just like it was backbreaking i lost that game because um basically while i did get cards in my end step it was my end step Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't going to be able to play those cards, even if there were, like, creatures. It was a draft. Creatures are king. I probably picked up lands. Yeah. But <laughs> You know Blue uh, plays around with a lot? Uh, uh, fuck, I lost the thought. Card draw? <laughs> yeah, card draw. <laughs> card draw. Yep. Card draw. Yeah. They do fuck around with it a lot. So, uh, and why not just make it even better? Yeah. It's like, hey, you are tired of casting your fish on one and your rustic study on three. Let's give you something in the nice two slots. You can really round out that curve. But yeah. also in Commander 2, like everyone's trying to draw extra cards every turn. So you're going to benefit from it. And if it lasts a full turn cycle, you're probably going to get three cards out of it at least. You know, yeah. even and even if they burn removal, someone burns removal on it, you're going to get those cards back before it happens. For sure, for sure. I, and I think it's just like, I like those cards that punish or feed off of greedy decks, like especially in Commander and stuff. And we saw that the attempt with Hullbreacher, right? Where it's just like, you're drawing too much. How about I stop that at instant speed and I turn that into mana for myself? Obviously, it's so easy to break that with wheels that it was a fucking cracked card and we needed to ban it. This is Hall Breacher. The best. This is this is the fixed Hall Breacher. Yeah. So I, I think it is the attempt at, you know, punishing that or at least trying to create a, a, a resource disparity where you are pulling back from people that are getting super greedy. And I think that is a direction that magic should go um, to help balance some of the cards that already exist and balance it, some of the 
play styles that already exist. Yeah, it's sort of like a softer version of stacks where you're not forcing the game to slow down, but you are forcing the decision making to be like, well, should I slow down? <laughs> like right. you're making them yeah. think, like, exactly. should they do it? You're like, Which you're- also is a decision point that Blue likes to force. Like Blue... Uh, is an implied threat of a counter spell at all times, right? If you have untapped mana, or even if you don't have untapped mana, you know. And this adds to that. A hundred percent. Yeah. There were there were a lot of times uh, in the two headed giant games where like I was playing blue, and I would sat with. There was one game where I sat with open mana pretty much the whole game because I did have interaction, and mm-hmm. the opponents were sitting across the table and just sitting there talking. And that's the point of the. I guess you know that's the point you're trying to make is that blue. If there is open blue mana, there is interaction in play. Mm-hmm. Like there, you know, there is room for that, and I have to consider that in the moves that I make. And so there were times when the opponents would just be like, "Yeah, we're just going to take the turn off too." Yeah, I, and I think this is a powerful enough card, specifically that like you're not just forcing them to think about counter spells in an eternal eternal format anymore. Like you just have to assume that. You know, the blue players, if they have two mana, they're going to be able to cast Fairy Mastermind, and they're going to draw a fuck ton of cards if you're about to do something. Yeah, the great thing is you get to hold up both. You hold up the counterspell, you hold up Fairy Mastermind. End step, you don't need to cast the counterspell, or you find a perfect time to cast Fairy Mastermind. You Mm -hmm. still haven't lost on that turn because you've held the mana and you've used your resources uh, on curve. Uh, It's just, it's so fucking good. It's such a good card. It's really good. It has a lot of really good words. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one card that really uh, interactive blue conversation, uh, I was playing the backup Bant deck in Cyba Cryptomancer from this set. So good. Is that the Hexproof guy? Yeah. The Flash yes, yes, Hexproof yes, yes, yes. with backup? Yep. Well, imagine one. if that card had Ward instead of Hexproof. Oh, It'd be oh better. God. Be better. I wish. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I wanted to call with Fairy Mastermind is just a play style I really like in blue and I see all the time is responding to a draw trigger with a top of deck tutor right like a mystical tutor kind of vampire vampiric tutor kind of thing that's a very powerful play um usually you have to have the draw engine in play for you to take advantage of it you respond to your rhystic study trigger your mr Cremora trigger right but this gives you the option to spend two mana at the right time to get the draw trigger on the stack and then follow up so three mana turns you know three mana plus this card turns a top of deck tutor to a two-hand tutor which three mana you know that's essentially an instant speed like solve the equation, which makes that significantly better. Yeah, very good. Right, so that is a very aggressive play style. That then, will this will now just sit there and gain you tons of advantage as you go. I think the howling mind thing broke my brain a little. I bit. didn't even think about that, dude. That is so yeah. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I am now just. I didn't even consider this card for Zerus, but I'm an idiot for not considering. Oh, it's so good for Zerus. Really, really good. And this is the other four. You're just playing like Everyone draw a card. Create three snakes. Right, bro. Yeah. You'll make three snakes and you just one more mana. Whoa, there we go. Obviously, I have a Lightning Greaves or something uh, because I play the Mass Hysteria in that deck too. Always enchantments with this guy. Oh, of course. All right, well, that's all I got to say about this card. It's really damn good. It's really great and this was a great episode. Actually, sorry, I have one more thing to say. There we go. is it so about stickers? Yeah, you got the leaving a comment. Like, it is. What? It is about. I'm sorry. We need five stars on Spotify, guys. We just got to go to Spotify and give us five stars on our podcast. It's the best goddamn podcast you've ever listened to. You're gonna get a handwritten note from me on the back of your sticker. Whoa! That says, "Please give us five stars on the Spotify on the Spotify platform." Exactly right. Yep. If you leave a comment below on the, on YouTube. 
or leave us feedback on Spotify. We'll reach out to you and make sure you get a sticker. Uh, be sure to join the Discord and um, stay tuned for more Mockstars podcasts because we're, we're on fucking fire. We're on fucking fire. You heard him. We're on fucking fire. Everyone said it, so it's true. <laughs> it's magic time. Let's go. Dr. Pepper said it. Dr. Pepper said it. Doctor's orders. Thank you guys for listening and have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye.